0: welcome to beyond the sales floor i'm your host morgan j ingram and what we're going to be doing is unveiling and unpacking sales playbooks from enterprise sales leaders on this episode i'm on with my guy ryan we go way back actually uh trained his team at zoom and he works at calm now and he's very calm on this episode all right good enough uh probably the benefit of working there so anyways uh we really dive into how he talks about different experiments he's running that i thought were brilliant um how to get in front of people with proof of concept free trials drinking his own champagne really good stuff there in the beginning and he also talks about how to penetrate into mid-market accounts with his outbound strategy how he goes about it how they're using linkedin to schedule more meetings and how they incorporate bant within that uh, and there's always a great debate if Bant is the thing or not, but it seems to be working for his org based on what he's told me. Uh, and it's 3069, it was on point two on how to get reps up to speed. So this is something you have going to listen to and hopefully I'll enjoy it. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Beyond the Sales Floor, uh, where we dive into what are enterprise sales leaders doing and tactically how they're going about it. So today I have Ryan from Calm, uh, but he'll introduce himself, his role, what he's got going on. So Ryan, talk
1: to us. Yeah, thanks, Morgan. Uh, Ryan Burns, been with come about a year and a half now. Been in this role just over six months. Prior, I was uh, managing the small business team. Uh, been in tech sales for close to a decade now, uh, sales for Zoom, and now here at Com. Good stuff. So let,
0: let's dive into the first question that we always ask everyone, which is what is an experience you're running right now that you're excited about?
1: Yeah, so something that we're trying to solve for is, you know, how to build trust with value add touch points throughout the deal cycle, um, but actually without a call to action. So we call these thinking of you emails. Uh, These are going to highlight a piece of calm content that we offer. And it's a great way to engage with clients on a very specific agenda on something that they're looking to solve for. So let's say we've done a good job with identifying our second and third level of pain. Um, this is our opportunity to send over a note in the middle of a deal, deal cycle that says, hey, uh, I found this piece of content on Calm. Um, given what you're going through X, Y, and Z, I thought this would resonate with you and your team. No reason to get back to me. but just wanted to send this over. And what that does, that lack of call to action, that's going to build trust. It's going gonna, it's gonna to allow that talking point on the next conversation that you have. So I think often as sellers, we're trying to push our agenda and get those call to actions. But sometimes it's good just to, you know, provide those value adds without asking anything in return. You know, I, I know this is your company is called Calm, but
0: this technique could be called the Calm content. Yeah. In itself. <laughs> you literally could just call it that. Uh, yeah. Because it, this is interesting because a lot of people, to your point, right, they're always trying to be like, hey, when's the next meeting? Here's the, when's the next meeting. Which you should be driving next steps. But I do like how you're bringing up things on the way that could be helpful content for them so i want to take this a little bit further when you're sending the content is it content that you all have at comment you're sending them or do you take another step where it's like content that you see that maybe they posted and you're commenting on that as well Uh and that might always be the case but curious on that
1: yeah it typically coincides with um our content that way they can start to understand how it can help solve for some of those pains that we identified in that um, in that discovery process. It will typically also coincide with a proof of concept or a trial, right? So we've launched a trial with them. Um, they're testing out some of the content. Uh, but if I you know, go into a meditation for 20 minutes and I was like, wow, that's going to resonate with this client I talked to last week. I'm going to go ahead and send something over to them, say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I just listened to this. Um, here's why I'm sending it to you take a look no no need to get back to me just wanted to send it over got it okay no i like that i like that a lot so uh
0: are there any are there more like touch points that you have there that you do uh besides just an email
1: um so looking at our entire entire sales cycle typically we've got at minimum three meetings we're going to have our discovery um i personally think that doing the right discovery up front allows you to qualify and disqualify out later so rather than trying to squeeze in a presentation or a demo in that first call, I'd rather just really try to understand what the client's going through. Mm-hmm. Not to try to sell, but to try to see if there's a fit for either of us to move forward to that next step. I don't wanna waste my seller's time. I don't wanna waste my prospect's time. So let's really dive into that discovery over the first 30 minutes, 40 minutes of that um, initial call. If we both determine that you know that there's a fit here, we're gonna set up next steps. Typically that's a, a further evaluation. A demo of the platform, an overview of the mental health landscape, um, and after every call, you know, we're sending those mutual action plans. I like to call them path to partnerships, right? Um, understanding what we need from them when they they need uh, from us to really make a decision here and, and move effectively through this this partnership.
0: I like that. So now that you you've gone through this experiment, sounds like it's it's going well and, and it's well received. Uh, I, I I'm curious on when you send these type of emails. Are people like replying back being like, oh, that was really helpful. Now I want to meet with you. Have you found that because you're not asking that you're actually getting more conversions?
1: Yeah. So it's typically not at that point of email. It's, it's usually when we meet with them thereafter. So we are getting responses. Thank you sure, so well. much. Thanks for thinking about me. I appreciated this. I went ahead and listened to that piece of content. Thank you. But it's in that meeting that we have thereafter. What we're noticing is they're more likely to attend that next meeting. We're getting a lot less um, drop-offs or cancellations or no-shows because we are investing in them. We're investing in their mental health. We're truly listening to them and what they need and coming back to them and saying, hey, we've got your back here. Uh, We understand you're still going through the evaluation, still in procurement, still in legal, but we don't want to hold back our support in in supporting you and your team. Here's something we want to send over in the meantime. Um, If you want to talk, by all means, happy to have a conversation, but here's some content for you to, to listen to. We'll catch up next week. We have our next step. Great. So, okay, now we've talked about things that you can do within the sales
0: cycle, but we obviously need meetings to to do that. So could you give us like an overview of your outbound strategy that you've implemented with your mid-market team and walk us through what that team looks like?
1: Yeah. So we're on a traditional um, account-based territory model. Um, We're going after accounts between 301 to 5,000 employees, full-time employees. Uh, And as you can imagine, using the traditional channels of, um, you know, outreach, uh, LinkedIn sales navigator and calling. Uh, And right now where we're seeing actually the quickest response is engaging in LinkedIn. Um, But for us, it's that's not really where the conversation starts. Uh, You know, we do a lot of time and spend a lot of time in investing into uh, the industry really being experts um, in the mental health landscape, engaging with content that is out there on LinkedIn. So when prospects are ready to talk, we have a point of view of that industry and we're trying to break down that stigma of mental health and why we can't talk about it on social media or talk about uh, you know on LinkedIn. It's a great opportunity for us to break that barrier and open that discussion up, um, which has has really broadened our horizons of the types of conversations that we can have and how in-depth we can get with clients and. Quite frankly, how vulnerable we can get, and I think some of our top sellers are those ones that are willing to be vulnerable, willing to share their own stories, their own struggles, and how our solution has has helped with them. And so, when you're when you're looking at helping them, right?
0: There's obviously you want to get in front of them on certain channels so you can have those conversations. Yeah. What, what channels have you found to be the most impactful? Is it? Calls, oh, we're we're doing so well there. Or is it LinkedIn, like super curious. We've heard different answers across the board. So curious on how your team's operating.
1: Yeah, I I think for us, you know, we're seeing a decent conversion rate in outreach. Um, We've got a lot of different um, type of sequences that are based on significant events. So for instance, think about high stress and different Mm -hmm. industries. You know, we're coming up against the holiday season. Retails can be very difficult. Um, people on the floor are very tough for them. Tax season, right? We want to get in front of these stressors and stress events and, and being able to support them in a way and being a little more proactive with their mental health. Um, so that's one area we've been successful is getting in front of those big stress events, uh, but we've seen the best conversion so far on LinkedIn. Um, the reason being is, you know, you can engage quickly in a conversation, um, but we don't want, you know, those call to actions aren't as strong. It's more of a introduction putting a face to the name hey i gave you a call here's who i am here's why i'd love to have a conversation um and then it's just another avenue for us another communication channel because quite frankly we don't know how our prospects want to be um communicated to but because of that we have to reach out to them on a few different channels and and invest into ones that they want to engage in
0: do you how many so like on average i know it's gonna be different for everyone how many touches do you have per outbound campaign and like what channels are you using? Like, like I use three emails, six
1: calls, like what's going on? Yeah. Um, there's a methodology that we deployed actually at Zoom and I'm blanking on the name of it, um, but it is a very standardized approach of when the emails get sent out, um, the, the specific call steps and when we wanna engage over LinkedIn. Um, I like the, the two touch approach, um, set, you know, a, Uh, having a call and then quickly an email following up saying, Hey, I just missed you. I want to talk about XYZ. Let me know when you have an opportunity to talk. And then I love the the LinkedIn, right? Soften the approach a little bit, be human, engage with their content, show them that you're a real person, not a robot. I think that's what's going to set sellers apart these days is is softening up a little bit, Um, you know, speaking with empathy and trying to understand what they're going through um, to see if there's an opportunity for us to have that conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How 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 important do you think it is for reps to just get more active on the phones? I feel like a lot
1: of people are just like, ah, you know, I'm not, I'm yeah. not even trying to do that anymore. Yeah, uh, it's still important. Um, it yeah. is. Like myself, um, I got a cold call the other day from a BDR. I picked up, had a good conversation, wasn't a fit for our organization, but yeah. um, he tried to email me several times. And I think I like to engage where I'm working and I'm typically working in LinkedIn. So that's a great way to get a hold of me, send a message. I'll let you know if it makes sense for us to continue the conversation. Um, So it's really looking at what channels our clients want to engage in. Um, But with this hybrid environment, it is more difficult to get people on the phones in the office, but that's starting to lighten up a little bit. Yeah. And then um, as you're looking at, like, you know, lightening up,
0: right? You need to make sure that you have the right people that you're talking to. And with prospecting, people see
1: this as they don't do it at all or they do do it. So how do you think about qualification? I mean, you know, we're using the t- traditional um, BANT methodology and starting to introduce MedPick. For us, I think what is most important is if they're willing to change and if they're yeah. willing to invest. Um, that's where a lot of our deals get stuck in the process is that, period of of indecision or no decision. Um, And had the opportunity to listen to actually a um, webinar by one of our um, investors, Insight Partners. And I found it, you know, very eye-opening of where deals are getting stuck in that process. And typically it's it's in that um, no decision phase where, you know, 40 to 60% of deals are being lost in that no decision. And it's because it's it's not the fear of missing out, it's the fear of messing up. Um, so for us, it's really important to to qualify those in and out, ask those tougher questions up front, and to understand, are they willing to get over that fear of messing up? Because that fear of missing out, that is no longer viable, at least in our industry. We really have to challenge um, and kind of use that jolt effect with our clients.
0: Yeah, well, we was having a conversation really about, about the jolt effect, and I, I genuinely believe in that. Like most things you're going to lose is because they're just like, mm-hmm. well, I just, there's not enough forcing function for me yeah. to do that. Uh, Kate, Kevin Dorsey, Katie made a post on Uh, ROI is not the return on investment. It's the risk of the investment. Right. And I think that's spot on, right. Is what you're talking about. So I know this is contextualized based on the conversation, but do you have questions that y'all are asking
1: to figure that out at least? I think for us, it's, we have to first like, really understand that level of indecision where is that coming from who who are we speaking with and, and why are they pushing off on making an impact or making an investment in their employees mental health uh, then from there we got to you know offer those recommendations and then we have to limit the exploration you know understand the why traditionally they're going to believe that you know the salesperson might be hiding something Um, So we really want to establish a basis of trust, and then finally, take risk off the table for your prospect. Help them understand why it makes sense for them to move forward with the solution, why it's going to be better for their career, why it's going to be better for uh, their employees to move forward with this, and keep it very simple. You know, you don't want to share four to five different options with them on contract. We often get so excited with our pricing and our presentations that we often forget we have to keep it simple. We have to ask them one question is what's most important to them in a contract structure and be able to go back and come back with something that's customized for them that fits for their organization.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense there. And then uh, now that you have really good questions in order, you have the team. How are you onboarding? What's your 30, 60, 90? How do you make sure reps are prepared to do the best they can at call?
1: Yeah. So I like to break it into you know your traditional 30, 60, 90. I think mm-hmm. moving from a traditional, SaaS background, a lot of our sellers have to break that habit of selling a highly technical product. So for us, yeah. it's kind of breaking those old habits, uh, allowing them to sell in a different way, sell with more empathy, really focused on that discovery, breaking into those three levels of pain, most importantly, those second and third level and the personal impact. Um, so over those first 30 days, we're really focused on, um, you know, learning and breaking those habits i want to get them introduced to the team learning the product and, and really becoming not so much product um, obsessed but industry obsessed right i want them understanding everything about the nuances of this industry everything that's going on so we can really be experts in this industry and speak eloquently to our clients about what's going on um, then we'll move into more hands-on training i like to do i call them certifications, so making sure that they're good to run their own discoveries, um, their own uh, pitch decks and and demonstrations thereafter. Um, and then after that, really dissecting their book of business. So having them look in the industry, understanding which industries are investing in mental health right now, which ones are behind the curve of um, where they need to be from an organization standpoint. Um, and then moving into that, you know, 60 day, this is really when they're activating. Um, they spent the last 30 days learning and observing and breaking those habits. So yep. using the tools, we're using Sixth Sense, Outreach, um, uh, LinkedIn, uh, uh, sale, or uh, Navigator. So all these different tools we have at our disposal, how we can combine those, dissect sector book a business to determine which ones we want to go after, which is going to give us our biggest ROI. Um, then we're dropping people into these sequences that we talked about earlier, those agoji sequences um, that I mentioned and then executing um, so we want them booking meetings getting their their outbound skills up and then finally executing on those inbound requests that we're getting Then finally we're moving to that, those you know final 30 days so that 90 day mark this is where we kind of assess and adapt uh, so we're going to do that 60 day look back what worked well what do we need to change i'll be doing coaching along the way sitting on meetings with them uh jumping in where i can but also providing them opportunities to fail learn from those failures and grow from those failures um, and then once we make those adjustments, expanding their view, not just on new business, but looking at upsells and renewals, right? How can they um, go to market in a different strategy beyond just strictly new business?
0: Yeah, uh, that's a good breakdown. Even I like the first 30 days is like breaking people out of the old habits. Now, if you're fortunate where you have someone where they are maybe newer to sales, you don't have to do that as much, but to who you're working with, they've... You know, they've been through maybe a couple of cycles. So to making sure they're not doing things, they're like, wait, wh- why are you doing that? Uh, you want to make sure they get them out of that, which then leads into, like, two-part questions. That's the first part, and then we'll follow up here. When you're looking at the DNA of a sales rep you're looking for, how and what questions are you looking for to identify that person? Like, this is the calm rep that we want. Here's their DNA, and here's how we find it.
1: Yeah, I I think that that's an ever evolving question because sure. who we're looking to hire is typically based on the void that we have on our team. Um I think there's, you know, a few core components that we're always looking for and first and foremost, you know, we want to make sure that they're invested in this industry. Um that they're built that they're really bought into the mission of trying to Help you know improve our clients' health and happiness, and really having sell our sellers believe in our offering is, is a key component in that. So I'd say one, first, they they believe in our product and in the industry and what we're trying to solve for. Um, after that, two core things, and this is this is always true as since I've been a leader is grit and coachability. You know I want someone that's willing to give it their all to solve this mental health crisis that we're facing today. Uh, And then finally, you know, does this person have desire to be better and to be challenged and be challenged themselves and others in that quest to be better? So those are really the three components. But again, having that um, ability to look at what is needed from the team right now, because there's always going to be a void when people leave or get promoted. So how do we fill that? Is that going to be? the Culture builder is that going to be the cheerleader, the one that exudes operational excellence, the grinder you know, that all these different aspects of that really um, fill out and, and round a team. Um, it really depends on what you're looking for, but I would say those first three components are something I always look for in a, in a new seller here.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think I think that's just like someone willing to get after it is the sum of it, right? Like if you don't have that, uh, it's not going to work. One thing that we looked at as a when I was a BDR manager, SDR manager was. You probably heard this for skill versus will uh we always we always look for the people who had high will and mm. if they had high will high skill that's amazing if they had high will low skill that's fine uh the worst is low skill or no high skill and low will like those are probably the most frustrating <laughs> people ever because you're like yo what are you what are you doing you can do yeah. this uh those people are are the worst right and so i definitely agree with that breakdown and so as we wrap up here we're going into 2024 2023 it's still here but it's approaching fast towards the end what are your three core focuses that you would give advice to right now to an enterprise sales leader that's just looking to come in and have a great year
1: Uh, yeah it kind of depends on where they are in in a business and and where they're looking to go how long they've been around for um for you know i can speak for us at least in, in my team i think what we're trying to create is a repeatable pipeline engine And that's going to be both for quick wins, as well as long term, more strategic deals. Uh, And then, as always, pipeline and forecast accuracy. How can we get in the rhythm to really predict what's going to happen in the business so then we can start investing in those areas of growth um, where we need it to to bring the the business forward? And then finally, uh, as you know, in the meeting today that we're in, it's it's all about going beyond Zoom so getting physically in front of my team investing in my team but also getting in front of our clients and prospects i think there's a lot to be said about those in-person meetings i think even eric yuan would say in person is the best after that you know zoom obviously Um, but now that we're in a place we can start having these meetings creating those opportunities um, to share and to build that goodwill amongst your team as well as your clients i think is going to be crucial for our success next year
0: awesome well ryan thanks so much for spending time with us here on this episode. Hopefully y'all got a lot out of it. There's a ton to take away from here from onboarding, outboarding strategy, experiment. All right. The the that email y'all, y'all can definitely check that out, the calm content. But hopefully y'all enjoyed this one. And just took some notes to execute and we'll see on the next one.